The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. We'll take a break from uh, Prophets and Kings one more week. I appreciate Dave McMurray being here last week with you as uh, we were at a family event, family wedding, and uh, delight to have him back, wasn't it, from Colleen. They're doing quite well over there. About 700 folks on a weekend at a church we planted six years ago, so it's with great delight that we had him back in the pulpit after several years of not being here. And uh, let me let you know where we're going to be the next several weeks. We'll finish up Prophets and Kings next week. We'll take a look at uh, One Final Prophet and King, and uh, then we'll do a series of Christmas messages. Uh, we'll look at three or four Christmas messages, uh, New Year's Challenge, and then starting in January, we'll be looking at First uh, and Second Timothy. So if you want to read ahead, we'll be looking at two of the three pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy, Paul's instructions to Timothy, his young disciple in the faith, and how that applies to us. Uh, we do a couple of things every year at Christmas time. There's a table in the hallway. We've adopted 30 families trying to provide gifts for some of the folks in our community uh, who otherwise could not provide for their own kiddos. Also, next week you'll see Angel Tree set up. Angel Tree is a ministry to the sons and daughters of uh, prisoners, folks who are incarcerated. We provide gifts for them. You'll see about 200 angels out there starting next week as we provide gifts for them. The other thing we do monthly now is called the drop, as you're aware. If you just leave a bag of non-perishables behind your car the first Sunday of every month, we pick those up. We take them to a food pantry, Churches Touching Lives for Christ, and TBC actually provides about two weeks' worth of groceries for the needy in our community that are part of CTLC. If you're 60 or older, uh, let me see your hand if you can get them up. Can you get them up? There, there you go. Yeah, uh, somebody chastised me last hour and said, you can't say that. I said, yes, I can. Watch me. And uh, so we did it. Uh, there's a special uh, thing for you this week, uh, 9.30, brunch, bring a favorite dish. Uh, I'll be there. I love these egg casseroles folks fix. So we're getting ready to bump that age to 65 in a couple of years. I'm 58. We keep moving it up because I don't want to be part of that group, actually. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus chapter 7. <clears throat> Father, as we look at the word, we're grateful for our friends uh, who are visiting with us, visiting with their families uh, this Thanksgiving holiday. And as we look at the back end of Thanksgiving, Father, you've given us so much to be grateful for, so much. And as we just pause to conclude the weekend, we pray that not just special days, but every day would be a day of thanks for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. family was going around the Thanksgiving table, and the four-year-old, everyone was giving uh, thanks for something. Came time for the four-year-old son in the family. What are you grateful for? He said, on this is Thanksgiving Day, he said, I'm thankful today that I'm not a turkey. And uh, <laughs> he was right. I got interested in turkeys this week. Quite interesting. It's amazing how pastor's mind goes sometimes. As I was thinking about offerings and Thanksgiving offerings and uh, began reading a little bit about turkeys, it's quite interesting. On Thursday of this year, 2011, actually a year ago, we ate, we ate 46 million turkeys in America. It's amazing. 88% of American families had turkey on Thanksgiving. If the average turkey weighs 10 pounds, which I think is a little light, maybe had a light bird this year, that equals 460 million pounds of turkey consumed on that day. It was a dangerous week to be a turkey. This one uh, spells it out uh, pretty well for you. Um, 
nobody wanted to be a turkey this past week. I, I love the story. A uh, lady was picking through frozen turkeys at a grocery store, couldn't find one big enough for a family. She asked the stock boy, do these turkeys get any bigger? He said, no, ma'am, they're all dead. <laughs> Thanksgiving offerings, what are you grateful for? I mean, we just finished this holiday. We're in the tail end of the holiday, but what are you grateful for? For many of us, Thanksgiving was a matter of a prayer before a meal. That was it. For many of us, that was it. Where my contention is, and I think what we'll see in the scriptures today, is that Thanksgiving should be a spontaneous response to our Father for all he's done for us every day. Thanksgiving in just one day a week, Thanksgiving is every day of our lives. And we're going to look at the Todah, T-O-D-A-H. It's the Hebrew thank offering. The Hebrew thank offering. I I love holidays. Many of you love holidays. And the nation of Israel loves celebrations. They had feast days, holy days. They went to Jerusalem as often as they could to worship. And the nation of Israel loved to celebrate. They loved to worship God. And I think as we look at the Todah, the thank offering, we, we will learn from them about spontaneous thanksgiving every day of our lives. So we go to the book of Leviticus. When's the last time you read through or had a quiet time in Leviticus? I mean, unless you read through the Bible, you probably never read through Leviticus. It's about as exciting as watching the Dallas Cowboys or Texas Longhorns play this last Thursday. (laughs) Only the facts. Some would say it's not exciting. Actually, it's very exciting because when you come to this section of God's Word, every bit of it points to Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus. Every one of the offerings points ahead to the Savior. Every single aspect of what the nation of Israel was involved in pointed ahead to the coming Messiah. We're in for a treat. The last weekend in January is our men's conference. Patrick Marley, who wrote Man in the Mirror, will be there. Also coming in, Bev and I have led three tours to Israel, and our guide on the other end is a man named Eris Bardavid. Eris is a Messianic Jew who grew up in Israel, grew up in the only Christian kibbutz in all of Israel. In fact, right now we've emailed back and forth, and his kibbutz has been spared any of the recent rocket fire, etc. But Eris is coming for our men's conference to do a seminar, and he'll be here that Sunday, the tail end of the men's conference, to bring some insight from God's Word. I'll do an interview format with him that Sunday morning. But the book of Leviticus is pointing ahead to the coming Messiah and everything that he has done for the nation and will do for the nation and for us. It's really a handbook of worship. The Psalter, the Psalms contain all the hymns. Leviticus tells the nation how to worship. So the, 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 the book of Psalms, all the Psalms, are the songs that were sung at worship. The, the book of Leviticus tells the nation how to worship. Including in how to worship is this thanks offering, this toda, this offering of thanksgiving. And so we pick up in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. It says, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which shall be presented to the Lord. The peace offering would be the umbrella offering. The thanksgiving offering would be one part of the peace offering. So the peace offering is the general offering, and then what we find is the thanksgiving offering is a single part of that. If he offers it by way of thanksgiving, then along with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, he shall offer unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers spread with oil, and cakes of of stirred fine flour mixed with oil. So he says, if you come to present the sacrifice of thanksgiving, this offering of thanksgiving, this toda, if you come to offer this, there's a certain way that you're supposed to do it. So he lays out for them how they're specifically supposed to do it. 
Now, each of these offerings point ahead to the Savior. There's the burnt offering in Leviticus chapter 1. In fact, if you look at Leviticus chapter 1, it says when you come with a, with a burnt offering, you come, you bring a male who is unblemished or perfect. You lay your hands on the male, sacrifice the bull, literally, in, in Leviticus chapter 1. And that's symbolic of the transfer of sin from the person who is sacrificing to the sacrifice itself. And it's saying you do that, and then the animal's, the animal's blood is caught, and the priest offers it on the sacrifice. So what we know is that sacrifices had been offered year after year, day after day, week after week in the nation of Israel, all pointing ahead to the Savior. But here's the problem. The problem, as we read in Hebrews, is it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, Christ came into the world. And so all of these offerings were imperfect animals offered by imperfect priests. But when Christ came, he was the perfect priest who offered himself the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. When this priest, referring to Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Sitting at the right hand of God indicates that the offering is complete. And so what we see is that for centuries, the nation of Israel, in their worship, they they would bring individual sacrifices to the temple to offer. And so when they came with those sacrifices, they would lay their hands on the sacrifices, indicating the transference of their sin to that sacrifice. The blood would be caught, it would be spilled upon the altar, and it would be a sacrifice by faith on behalf of the offerer for the forgiveness of sin. But the problem is that was an imperfect sacrifice offered by imperfect priests. Therefore, it all pointed ahead to the perfect sacrifice offered by the perfect priest who could only be the Messiah. So within the sacrificial system, you've got all this pointing ahead to Jesus. Then we come to this toda, this one specific offering, this thanksgiving offering. Part of the peace offerings, there were three peace offerings. One of them is the thank offering or the toda that we're talking about. And it's mentioned in the context of Leviticus only after the sin offering. Because once you are at peace with God, then you have reasons to be thankful. So the sin offering was a picture of us being at peace with God. And then the thank offering, the peace offering, saying because we have peace with God, then we can offer offerings of thanksgiving unto him. Two things about the thank offering that's significant. First of all, there were no leftovers. There were no leftovers. Unlike our thanksgiving It'd be a whole lot different. I don't know about you, but I love leftovers on Thanksgiving. When you came to bring the thank offering, you couldn't keep the leftovers. Where do I get that? I get that from Leviticus chapter 7, verse 15. It says, Now, as for the flesh of the sacrifice of the Thanksgiving offering, it shall be eaten on the day of the offering. He shall not leave any of it over until the morning. And so whenever the thank offering, the meat of the thank offering was brought, that meat was to be consumed on that day. So you didn't buy 30-pound turkeys, you bought 10-pound turkeys because you had to eat them all. Here specifically it was not a turkey but other animals. But the point is that all that had to be consumed on that day. Why? I mean, why? Why would God say, today I want you to eat of all that? Because every day would be a new day of offering thanks. Every day would be a new day of offering thanks. And rather than giving God of the leftovers, there was a fresh supply to thank God for that day. The second significant thing about the thank offering is it was spontaneous. It was spontaneous. Most of the other offerings had prescribed days that you had to bring the offering on. Only on certain days for certain events would you bring these offerings. 
For instance, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the whole day is spelled out for you later on in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16. And what we see is when we come to the thank offering, it was an offering that could be brought any time, any day. Now, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which is presented to the Lord. And it tells you how to bring the sacrifice, but you never see a specific day it's mentioned. It's because when you have peace with God, then you should offer thanksgiving to God, not occasionally, but continuously. And so the thank offering was an offering that could be brought to the altar by the Israelite people, by the Jewish people, not on specific days, but upon any day. If God had given favor to them, if there was some special occasion or some type of blessing or some answer to prayer, then the Thanksgiving peace offering could come, would, would be given, and you would eat it that same day because the next day you would offer Thanksgiving again unto God. And so this is the Toda, T-O-D-A-H. And because we have peace with God, we can offer thanksgiving to God each and every day. In fact, in the psalm it says, whoever sacrifices a thank offering honors me. It was a sacrifice that God desired <coughs> from his people any time and all time. Well, as you know, Paul was, a, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul understood the Jewish law. He understood the sacrificial system. So now we come and the perfect sacrifice Jesus has been offered and he has been made. And so now Paul writes about thanksgiving. And in Ephesians 5.20, he says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. You see, Paul knew that the thanksgiving offering was a spontaneous offering that should be offered at any time. So in Ephesians 5, in this context, he's saying, If you are filled with the Spirit, your life will be a life filled with thanksgiving, just as the nation's life was supposed to be as it gave thanks to God for his continuous blessing. So Thanksgiving is not the third Thursday of every November in America for us. Thanksgiving is every day because we have peace with the Father. And so Paul picks up on that and he says, if you are filled with the Spirit, you will always give thanks for all things. Note the emphasis, always in all things. He uses the, the compound to, to, to enforce the positive there. We are to give thanks in all things. I've looked for an escape clause here, by the way. But I found the Greek word for all means what? Yeah. Hey, what do you have trouble giving thanks for? What do you have trouble giving thanks for? I mean, if you are like I am, there are times we go through seasons of life or events in life or things in life, and it's really difficult to give thanks. Now, Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good, but that they can, they can work together for good. What are the difficult things in life that you have given thanks for? You see, when we learn to give thanks, I believe what we're saying is, God, maybe not everything is good, but I know that I can trust you to bring good out of everything. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks. This is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Many people often ask, What is God's will for my life? It's very clear in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, God's will is for you to have a thankful heart. If your life is filled with the Spirit, you're going to give thanks. And if you want to do the will of God, you're going to give thanks. So as we look at the Scriptures, we see very clearly God's heart about thanksgiving. He desires for us to be a thankful people. It's to be spontaneous. It's to be all the time. And there are to be no leftovers as we thank him continuously each and every day. 
Matthew Henry wrote a commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary in the scriptures. And he was known as a pastor with great heart, with a thankful heart. And one day his congregation found out that during the week he had uh, been robbed. And so they began to talk among themselves, how would Dr. Henry find something to be thankful for after being robbed? He got up in the pulpit and he began his sermon that day. He said, let me be thankful first. It started to say, many of you know that I was robbed this week. And he said, let me be thankful first because I have never been robbed before. And then he said, secondly, because although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Thirdly, although they took my all, it certainly was not much. And fourthly, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Even in the midst of being robbed, he said, God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for what you've done. Just yesterday I was talking to a brother who went through a difficult time, and he, I said, man, it's been hard gone through that. He said, yeah, but I'm thankful because through that, God has taught me a great lesson not to take for granted what he's given me. What do you have a difficult time being thankful for? We should be like kids. Thanksgiving should be spontaneous to us. You ever watch these TV game shows? I mean, I don't watch them anymore, but when I was younger, when I was a kid, I'd watch them, and they, they had, uh, I forget the guy's name, let's make a deal, three doors behind you. What was his name? Monty Hall. Monty Hall. Yeah, some of you watch too much TV. Uh, there's Monty Hall, let's make a deal. And if you got the right door, and all of a sudden you got the grand prize, it might be a car, it might be a trip to Hawaii, it might be a boat. I mean, what do those people do? Door, you pick door number three, he picks door number one, opens that first, you don't get it, and then finally he says, and the grand prize is, you pick number three, and it goes back and you've won. What are those, those people stand there like this? Wow. That's great, isn't it? Is that what they do? Or the, what, what's, the, what's the other program? Uh, the Price is Right. Prices are, those people just get picked in the crowd and they go crazy. And then if they win, they go absolutely nuts. I, I, I was in my home watching football yesterday and my neighbor across the street, when uh, his team scored, his team is a team in College Station, when they scored, I could hear him, I could hear him screaming all the way across the street. I mean, isn't that what Thanksgiving's about? Isn't that what it's about? We get more excited about football games and touchdowns than we do about the living God. Than we do about the living God. And for some of us, Thanksgiving, as I said, was limited to prayer before a meal rather than a continual response for what God has done. And it's my prayer that every day you'll be filled with thanksgiving. A few weeks ago, we were in College Station, actually, which used to be the home of A&M. Now it's the home of Johnny Football instead of A&M. But that's a whole other story. He really is a tremendous athlete. But, but we spent the day with our grandkids, and, I mean, we gave them everything. We did the trampoline. We did basketball. We did baseball. We did Chuck E. Cheese. I read them stories at night. I told them stories about their mama, how bad she was when she was a little girl. <laughs> And they absolutely love those stories. And then we gave them snacks. Then we watered them. Then we dewatered them. Then we watered them. And I mean, the, it was a non-knitting process. And finally I said, okay, guys, I'm turning the light out. I'm leaving. And I tucked them in, gave them a kiss. And 
and, and Grayson, the three-year-old, looked at me and said, you're the best Papa Doe in the whole world. And I went to put my head on the pillow, and I didn't think for long because I was out pretty much, and I thought, Gary, when's the last time you said that about the Father? Hey, you're the best Father in the whole world. You did way more for me than bounced on a trampoline and told me a few stories. You actually sent your son as a sacrifice on my behalf. You actually gave the very best you had. And for a little kid, I mean, it was a great day, and it was a natural response to say, thanks, Grandpa. Every day should be natural for us to say, thanks, Father. Thanks for all you've done. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for allowing me to spend time in your presence. Thanks for even thanking me. Thanks for the sacrifice that was made. Well, there are many things we should be thankful for. Let me just throw four of them at you, and then we'll stop. Four, I, I could put thousands of things up here just as you could. First of all, we need to make sure we give thanks for our Father. He has done so much for us. Psalm 100, there are two psalms that have a superscript that says a psalm of thanksgiving. So in front of that psalm, at the very top of that psalm, is a superscript. Psalm 100 is a psalm of thanksgiving. And there are numerous things we can be thankful for. We should be thankful that the Lord is God. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing, knowing that the Lord himself is God. First of all, we can be thankful because he's God. Secondly, it says, he has made us, we have not made ourselves. He is our creator. And then it says, we are his people. We are his people. That means he redeemed us. We are the sheep of his pasture. If you study his role as our shepherd, in fact, Psalm 23, the greatest passage on him being our shepherd begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He cares for us. Why should we be thankful? The Lord is God. He created us. He redeemed us. He cares for us. He is good. The scriptures say in verse 5 of Psalm 100, for the Lord is good. Not only that, his loving kindness is everlasting. That means his mercy never ends. And finally, his faithfulness endures forever. Seven reasons out of Psalm 105 why we should be thankful to God. Hey, you want a fun thing to do as a family? Jot this down. Take a look at it. A great way to end Thanksgiving weekend. Tonight, pull out Psalm 100 and just pray through it together. Just pray through it together. Father, we're grateful. We're, we are grateful that you are a God of mercy, that, that you, don't, you don't give us what we deserve. Father, we're, we're grateful that you're a God of faithfulness, that, that you're not fickle, that you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, and God, we don't have to worry about you changing. Your love for us is not in God. Thank you for being a God who cares for us. And you can just thank God through Psalm 100 together. It's a great exercise of thanksgiving. Ways to be thankful, it's interesting. Not only does this psalm show us why to be thankful, it shows us ways to be thankful. It begins, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. The, the Hebrew word there means, means to scream out. It's like you did when your team scored a touchdown. You just screamed out. It, it shout joyfully. Ways to, to, to show thanksgiving is to shout joyfully. Then he says, serve the Lord with gladness. He says, not only should, should we be about shouting into him and praising him, but we should be about serving him. And then he says in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. It says, give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. And he 
endures forever and all generations. There are many ways to be thankful to God, specifically six ways or five ways he spells out in this psalm for us to be grateful. Let's just pick one of those. Let's just pick one of those. Let's say offering or blessing his name. It's pretty easy to do as you pray through the psalms as a family. Lord, we bless you for, we bless you for, we bless you for, and you fill in that blank. What a great exercise. First part, we thank you for. Second part, we bless you for. And that's a great way to end the Thanksgiving weekend as a family. So we're grateful for our Father. We're grateful for families. As I think of other things to be grateful for, this bumps up near the top of my list. So I think about the joy of being married to a godly wife, having parents who know Jesus. I've got a daughter, a son who are both married, and they and their spouses know and walk with Jesus. I can go to glory as a blessed man. I can go to glory. We had a family wedding. I did my nephew's wedding last weekend, and we decided we need to take a picture of our grandkids together because we haven't done that in a while. And uh, actually, you've never seen my grandson who uh, came from my son, actually. He's a little guy with all the hair over there. And I looked at that picture in the hotel room. I, I was sick. I did the wedding and went back to the hotel, had it on my phone. And I thought, what a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing to know that their parents are like the young people that stood up here. They know Jesus. They desire to see their kids know Jesus. And they desire to lead their kids in the ways of Jesus. Give thanks for your family. Somebody saying, Gary, you don't know my family. And you don't know my family. They left yesterday. We gave thanks, okay. Hey, I understand. I mean, we had before, I paint this as a picture of bliss. We've had 14 people spending the night at our house the last three nights. When we went to bed last night, Bev said, I'm going to pray that you're not grumpy tomorrow. <laughs> and okay, I get the message. I get the message. Uh, but what a delight. What a delight. There are times when it's difficult. I know that. Uh, but do you give thanks for your kids? Give thanks for your kids. Young people, you thankful for your parents? When's the last time you told your parents thanks for being your mom and dad? If they're here with you today, it'd be a great time to do it right now. And you'd score a lot of points with them. Just reach over, give them a hug, thank them right now. I don't care how old they are, how young they are. You're blessed. They're here with you. Parents, when's the last time you've done the same thing for your kids? Hey, thanks for being my son, my daughter. I mean, just reach over and give them a hug right now. They're here. Reach over and give them a hug right now and thank God for them. It's not always easy, is it? Siblings, what about you with your brothers and sisters? You want to talk about that one? I thought... I I watched one of our six-year-olds take a toy and just smash on top of the head of a three-year-old yesterday. Johnny was uh, four years old when they had a baby brother. The baby brother had colic every night. Finally, he went to his mom and said, where'd we get him? His mom said, he came from heaven. Johnny, Johnny says, wow, I can see why they threw him out. (laughs) Be grateful for the father. Be grateful for your family. What about some friends? About some friends. I I hope you pause this week to thank a few friends. In Mark chapter 2 is an interesting story. I feel like I've preached it a hundred times. It has to do with a guy who can't walk. He's a paralytic. He has some killer friends. He has some killer friends. Word is out that Jesus is coming to town. 
these four friends pick up their friend. I want you to think about the existence of a paralytic in the first century. The existence of a paralytic in the first century. He was at the mercy of people who were around him all the time. He, he couldn't earn a living. There was no social security. He was dependent upon family and friends for everything. He couldn't, he couldn't get up to go to the restroom. He couldn't get up to, to take care of his own needs. He couldn't go find food. He was 100% dependent on somebody else. 100%. These four friends here, Jesus is coming to town. Do you remember what they did? They brought their friend to where Jesus was. They got there, it's so crowded, they can't get in. They, they, can't, they can't get in. Uh, and so they come up with a plan. I guarantee you one of those four guys was an engineer. <laughs> he figured out how they're going to do this. They're going to climb to the top of a roof. They're going to somehow dig a hole in the roof. They're going to get some ropes, lower this guy down right in front of where Jesus is teaching. And they do it. I mean, you talk about unorthodox. You talk about unwieldy. You talk about friends who would determine. These guys would determine. See, some of us have friends that play golf with us, who hunt with us, who do hobbies with us, who shop with us. But when you've got a friend who brings you to Jesus, you've got a real friend. And, and those friends begin to lower their buddy. And it says, being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they remove the roof above him. When they had dug an opening, I mean, can you see? It basically, in that day and age, they had mud roofs. And so they're up there digging a hole. It says digging. You see their fingers. You see all the dirt falling down. Everybody downstairs wondering what's going on upstairs. And the next thing they see or you know, all these eyes peering down, make sure they've got it right. And they begin lowering their buddy in front of Jesus. And here's what the scriptures say. And Jesus, seeing his faith, said to the paralytic, is that what it says? No. One of the only times in the scriptures it speaks in the plural of faith. And Jesus seeing their faith. Jesus saw their faith. He saw the faith of these friends and the faith of the man. And as the guy is lying on the mat in front of Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, My son, your sins are forgiven. Do you see what Jesus does? He leaves leapfrogs past the physical to the eternal. He looks at the guy and says, Yeah, healing is what he wants and what he needs, but so what if a, if, 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 if a man gains a world but loses his soul? So what if he can walk and have new legs, but he doesn't know me? And so Jesus leapfrogs past the physical to the eternal, and he says, My son, your sins are forgiven. And the guys upstairs are going, psst, psst, Don't forget the legs. <laughs> and so Jesus looks at him and says, Pick up your mat and walk. You ever see a calf right after it's been born? See how wobbly it is? Maybe National Geographic or Discovery Channel or a giraffe or some animal in the wild that can barely walk. I imagine this guy is wobbly and all of a sudden he gets his legs under him. And when he goes out into the alley, I see four friends, tears streaming down their faces, high-fiving one another, singing praises to God. It wasn't that way on the inside, though. On the inside, the Jewish leaders were there. And, and they formed a syllogism that was accurate. Jesus claims to forgive sins, 
Only God forgives sins. Jesus is claiming to be God. And so rather than rejoicing over this man's healing, the healing of his soul and the healing of his bones, the scriptures say they were indignant and mad. You got some friends like that guy had? The tail end of this Thanksgiving weekend, why don't you make a phone call, send an email, send a note? You've got friends that point you to Jesus, that lead you to Jesus, that encourage you in Jesus, that disciple you in Jesus. This is a great time to say thanks. On the flip side, maybe you have a friend who needs a stretcher bear. Maybe you have a friend who isn't paralyzed in the legs but paralyzed in the soul. What a great time to come alongside that person and to point him to Jesus, encourage him in Jesus, and allow him to see Jesus in you. Finally, we need to be grateful for our faith. We need to be grateful for our faith. Grateful for our father, our families. Grateful for friends. Grateful for our faith. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is writing about the faith. And he says in verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again with a living hope. We can give thanks or should give thanks for our faith because we have a living hope. We have a hope that is unfading, that is not perishable, that's reserved in the heavens for us. And we should say glory, hallelujah. After 30 years of ministering in the same place, one of the hardest things to do to this day, I'll do anyone's funeral. Folks in the community need somebody to do a funeral. Some of our folks here have loved ones without church homes or pastors. I get that phone call, would you come and do the funeral for so-and-so? I'll be glad, I'll be glad to do it. Because it's a good opportunity to lift up Jesus and to proclaim the gospel. But I'm going to tell you one of the most difficult things we as a pastoral staff are called to do at any time. To do a funeral for someone where there's no evidence that they know Jesus. There's no evidence in their life that they've ever trusted Christ as their Savior. And I always sit with the family so we can personalize the funerals. And they'll talk about Daddy and say, man, Daddy can shoot a gun like nobody can shoot a gun. Or Daddy, you, you, you never met anybody like Daddy, man. He, 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 could, he could grill like nobody could grill. Or Mama, our dear old Mama, she could cook like nobody could cook. Her biscuits were the best in the world. Well, tell me about Mama's faith. Well, when Mama was a little girl, I know she went to church. When, when Daddy was a little boy, I, I, I know Grandma said something about. And no faith whatsoever. And it ripped your heart out. Because I recognize I'm standing over that body. And more than likely, that person is an eternal torment right now. And so all I can do is talk to that family and say, every one of us will be like dear old mom or daddy one day, gone. My question is, do you have a living hope in Jesus? And that's my question for you. Do you have the living hope in the resurrected Savior so you can truly give thanks this Thanksgiving for your faith? I'm convinced of this. Thankfulness is an issue of, not what's, in your, of what's in your heart, not what's in your hand. 
People whine and moan about the economy and everything else. But it's really not an issue of what's in our hands. Thanksgiving is what's in our heart. That's why the toda, the thanks offering, is a spontaneous offering given at any time. Because when you have peace with God, your heart is right, and the natural outflow should be one of thanks for all that God has done. Were you thankful? Little boy came from a friend's birthday party. His mom said, when you left, did you tell Miss Johnson thanks? He said, no. The kid in front of me said thanks, and she said, don't mention it, so I didn't. (laughs) I pray that your Thanksgiving is not like that, but it's filled with honoring and thanking the Savior for all he's done for you. Father, it's with great joy that we say thanks. We say thanks for being our Father. Thanks for being a God who creates us, a God who is good, a God who redeemed us, a God whose mercy is everlasting, who who endures faithfulness, endures for all generations. We shout. We shout with praise and joy from our hearts. Thanks for families. Some are in difficult families, Father, and I just pray that they will find reasons to be thankful. Thank you for our faith. We'd be hopeless without it. If you're here today and not sure of Jesus as your Savior, I beg you not to leave this room till you know for certain that you have a living hope through a resurrected Savior who will forgive your sins. I pray that you'll finish this weekend by once again giving thanks for the one who gave us all for us. In whose name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.